Welcome to another exciting episode of the Opportunity Zones podcast, the weekly show where we interview Opportunity Zones professionals and experts from fund managers to tax advisors, from real estate developers to venture capitalists. If it impacts Opportunity Zones or the Opportunity Funds industry, we cover it here on the Opportunity Zones podcast. Welcome to the Opportunity Zones podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Atkinson. Multifamily residential real estate is the single most popular asset class for qualified opportunity funds and investors in opportunity zones. Novogratic estimates that $15.56 billion out of the $20.28 billion that they're tracking, or more than 75% of the funds that they're tracking, have at least some component of residential development. Here to join us today to discuss multifamily as it pertains to opportunity zones, but also overall multifamily sector is Scott Hawksworth. Scott is co-founder of multifamilyinvestor.com, a property that I am co-owner in, and he joins us today from Chicago, Illinois. Scott, how are you doing, buddy? Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Jimmy. I'm doing great. How are you? Good. I'm doing very well, Scott. Always a pleasure to speak with you. We've known each other for quite some time and excited uh, about the new property that we're building together, multifamilyinvestor.com. So we'll talk a little bit more about that toward the end of the episode today. But first, let's talk about multifamily real estate in general. And for most of our listeners, I would imagine you're kind of preaching to the choir here. I think a lot of people who listen to the Opportunity Zones podcast probably have quite a bit of familiarity with real estate investing, and in particular, multifamily real estate investing. Certainly, there's some listeners who do not, but I would guess that the majority have some familiarity. But anyway, let's talk about multifamily a little bit here. And, and why don't you give us, Scott, your case for multifamily and why you think it's a good investment? Absolutely. So, I mean, you said it at the top. There's clearly tons of interest in multifamily, specifically as it pertains to opportunity zones. Some big numbers you mentioned there. But for me, you know, even looking outside of just in opportunity zones, multifamily investments, I just find to be so exciting for a number of reasons. The first is just that opportunity for an attractive total return. And, you know, and this return includes ongoing cash flow. And of course, the potential for multiple liquidity events, which is always exciting. And then when you just kind of look at real estate itself, and when you look at multifamily, you get this exposure to residential real estate. And we're in a time where there are housing shortages across the United States. And that's not changing anytime soon. There's a little factoid I like to share here. Construction of new housing in the past 20 years fell 5.5 million units short of long-term historical levels. This is according to the National Association of Realtors report. So what that means is we are in this period of housing shortage where people need homes and we're just not building enough to meet demand and that creates opportunity. And then the third thing I always like to mention is that specifically when you're looking at real estate multifamily has proven to be the property sector that is most resilient to recessions. And that is according to a CBRE study. So I know there's so many people out there that 2008 is still on the mind and and maybe they're on the fence about it. But when you're looking at resiliency, I think that's really exciting. And then the other things I would add would be significant tax advantages. And Jimmy, I know you would have a lot to say about that specifically when we're talking about opportunity zones. 
And then they can even function as a potential inflationary hedge as real estate asset appreciation can outpace inflation. So those are kind of my why of multifamily investments. No, I think that's great, Scott. Yeah, I've always described multifamily as a very resilient and durable asset class. It's the most essential real estate property type. You can do without retail, probably. You can do without hotel and hospitality, as we've seen through the pandemic, especially at the beginning of it. But you need a roof over your head. You need residential real estate. And multifamily adds that density component that is much needed throughout this country, as you mentioned, the housing crisis that we're facing all over the country, and in particular, um, certain areas of the country are hit worse than others. I want to lock in on the tax benefits, though, because I'm a tax benefits guy. I started the Opportunity Zones podcast and a big OZ guy. So just to quickly review the OZ benefits for a qualified opportunity fund that invests in any type of asset, whether it's multifamily real estate or other real estate or operating business, or maybe something else, two big tax benefits now that we're out of 2021, the 10% basis step up benefit has expired, but still two huge benefits are outstanding. One is a deferral of capital gains until the end of 2026. And two, as long as you hold the opportunity zone investment for at least 10 years, you get to eliminate capital gains tax liability on your opportunity zone appreciation, uh, which is, <laughs> I referred to it as probably the greatest tax incentive ever created. So that's the qualified opportunity fund wrapper, of course, and its tax benefits, which my listeners are no stranger to. But Scott, are there other tax benefits to owning multifamily residential real estate? Or are there other wrappers similar to qualified opportunity funds that you can package multifamily properties into? Give us the lay of the land in terms of tax benefits as as you see it. Sure. Well, in terms of tax benefits, if you are the direct owner, and even if you're an investor, of course, there's depreciation that multifamily investments provide, which is nice to do that. Oh, I'm glad you brought up depreciation. Sorry to interject. and Because I, I forgot the hidden benefit of opportunity zone investing, which is I'm up on my opportunity zone soapbox now. I love this uh, wrapper, of <laughs> course, Scott, you know that. Depreciation is fantastic until you go to sell a property, right? Because that depreciation gets recaptured. But that is not the case with opportunity zones. Depreciation recapture is eliminated for opportunity zone investors, which is another benefit that doesn't get talked about a lot. And I, frankly, almost forgot to talk about it until you mentioned it. But anyways, go on, Scott. Continue, please. So depreciation. And then, of course, if you are the direct owner of a multifamily property, um, you get those nice direct expense write-offs that, uh, that you can take there. But then you were talking about wrappers, and there's another wrapper here, the Delaware Statutory Trust or the DST which for those unfamiliar is an investment vehicle that's organized as a trust that generates this passive income from real estate. And it allows investors to see the same capital gains tax benefits that they would get from a 1031 exchange without actually having to actively manage that replacement property. So that's really attractive for folks who maybe don't want to go through all of the hoops to directly manage a property, which uh, can, can come with some challenges. You can still see some tax benefits there. Yeah, if you've been a 1031 investor and you need a 1031 out of a property, but you're kind of tired of the active management part of being a real estate property owner, you want to get away from the three T's, right? Toilets, trash, and tenants, (laughs) right, Scott? You can Mm -hmm. make this passive investment into a Delaware Statutory Trust DST. Yeah, that's another great wrapper that I like as well. Not as much as 
has opportunity zones, but it's it's a good one, I'll admit. And it's not for everyone. You have to have a you have to be a 1031 investor, but if you are, it's definitely worth looking into. What about some trends, Scott? Let's move away from tax benefits for a minute. Let's talk about trends that you see in the multifamily sector and your outlook for the rest of the year. 2022's just kicked off. Where do you see this year and beyond taking the multifamily real estate asset class? Sure. Overall, the outlook is very, very good. I'm so excited for it. And and so many multifamily investors are excited because this housing shortage that I alluded to earlier is, is not going away. And, and in fact, it's impossible to fix in the short term. We just can't build enough homes to meet that demand. I have another statistic here. On average, the U.S. built 276,000 fewer homes per year than in uh, between 2001 and 2020 compared to the period between 1968 and 2000. So we're actually getting worse (laughs) with it. So again, that creates opportunities. So look to the housing shortages to continue to exist. And then when you look at that, you have to also look at population migration. And this is going to be continue to be really, really big in the multifamily space. When you're looking at where are people moving over the past year and, and even before that, we've had a lot of regions in the country that are benefiting from significant population influxes in really a variety of ways. And, and real estate has been part of that. So there's so much activity happening in the Southwest specifically as uh, people look for warmer climates, maybe areas where there's uh, you know more friendly to business or lower taxes and these types of benefits. So when you're looking at trends and outlook on multifamily, a lot of these areas are seeing lots of builds, a lot of investment activity. And then these multifamily properties are filling up really quickly. And that again, creates a lot of opportunity. I got another statistic for you here. So there are low vacancy rates in a lot of desirable locations that are across the United States. So As of 2020, 9.7% of housing was vacant, which was down almost 2% from 2010. So what that means is that there are actually these desirable areas where there are vacancies. So then there's going to be prices rising. So that's really interesting there. Then you have metro area growth. We're looking, as I mentioned, where we're talking maybe Southwest, you're looking at sort of uh, Phoenix, cities like that. Lots of metro area growth, which again, creates more demand for housing, jobs, all of that, which kind of affects it. And I want to talk about COVID-19 a little bit because this has really upended a lot of things and it's kind of shifted things. You know, even now, a lot of offices are, are allowing more work from home. They're going remote again. This has really changed a lot about the way people are even thinking about their homes because they're spending more time at home. Their homes are needing to serve not only as a place where they can live, but as a place where they can work. In fact, I've got a little statistic here on that. So more people than ever before are working from home. And this recent industry report predicts that 36.2 million workers or 22% of Americans will be working remotely by the year 2025. And that is an 87% increase from before COVID-19. So what that means is that, again, more people are reevaluating where they're living. They're wanting more space. They're wanting nicer space. If I've got to sit at home and and work eight hours, you know, you kind of look at your four walls and think, 
can these be nicer? <laughs> you know, the sound's a little loud here. I can hear the kids in the next room. Can I get something? Yeah, it makes, makes multifamily <laughs> even more essential, really. Or exactly. residential as a larger asset class group, more essential. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's a really, when we're talking about trends and outlook, that just is not showing signs of slowing down. And, and many people have really started to embrace the the work from home lifestyle and they like it and they don't want to give it up. So I think what that means is, residential real estate and specifically multifamily, especially when you're looking at population centers, places where there's a lot of jobs and business activity, that's going to continue to increase and and be a factor. And then also, I think that, that it's created a lot more flexibility and movement, kind of tying back to that migration I was talking about. So now there's folks that can have Maybe they can have a Chicago-based job, but they only have to fly there a few times a year. And now they're looking, you know what? I want to go to a sunny place. I want to go to Arizona. I keep hitting on the Southwest. But that, again, creates opportunity there. And then the last piece, and I, I alluded to it before, is this sort of inflationary landscape protection. We'll talk about some of the episodes I've had in a bit here. But when you look at consumer price inflation in the US, just an example here, it was 13.5% in 1979, which was the worst year since 1947. And dividend income from REITs traded through the stock exchange averaged 21.2% that year, and total returns amounted to 24.4%. Just throwing a bunch of numbers here, but the point is is that it can, real estate and specifically multifamily, can help act as that, uh, that sort of hedge with inflation. So those are kind of the trends in the outlook and where things are going to continue to go as we look to 2022, because I don't see any of this slowing down. I see this activity only increasing. And, and I know, Jimmy, you can speak to the Opportunity Zones side of things and, and what's happening there, of course. Yeah, as I will throughout the course of the year and uh, and in the years to come as well. But yeah, like I mentioned at the beginning, and, and you did as well, Scott, this is a resilient durable asset class. That's why we like it so much. What about cap rate compression? We had uh, a lot of cap rate compression in 2021. You know, what effect did that have on multifamily real estate investors? And are you expecting more of the same in 2022? Yeah. The surprising thing is there's been this cap rate compression, but it it really is not slowing investors down. Yeah. You've got to pay a little more to get in, but it kind of tying back to what you were saying, Jimmy, it's resilient and investors are looking for safe investments that can offer opportunities for greater return. And they're not shying away. They're saying, well, this is what it's got to be. We've had also some trends in terms of new builds. You know, it's a, a bit more difficult to get materials and things for builds. But again, that's not slowing down the activity because I think you just look at, yes, okay, we've got inflation, we've got prices going up. But that main aspect of the housing shortages and the fact that no matter what the environment is, people need homes is really not deterring investors. I don't anticipate that will will change over the next year. Yeah. And uh, with bonds and treasuries where they are, you know, probably I would say the next best alternative to get income, current income is is real estate. And I think that helps push up those prices and those values in uh, not just the multifamily sector, but across the real estate asset class, but particularly the multifamily sector for some of the reasons we discussed. Right, Scott? So, well, let's pivot now and tell us a little bit more about your story, Scott, and and about multifamilyinvestor.com, which, you know, I disclosed at the beginning, I'm I'm a co-owner in that property. You're my business partner in that property. Scott, give us the story behind that. Yeah. So obviously I've worked with you for a number of years. And if you can't tell, I'm a bit of a multifamily evangelist. I really do think that investor portfolios can benefit so much from 
really a significant allocation to multifamily. And I've had a lot of experience over my career in hosting podcasts and really interviewing experts about a wide variety of topics. Um, most recently, I've been the host of PayPod, which is payments and fintech podcast talking about financial technology. And I looked at the multifamily sector and, and Jimmy, you and I had conversations and, and I just realized what an opportunity it was. And I was excited to start a podcast and a video podcast nonetheless, where I could really speak to folks making this industry run and doing exciting things in the multifamily world. And so that's kind of was the impetus for co-founding this with you, of course. Good. Well, Scott, it's been a pleasure catching up with you and learning a little bit more about multifamily and chatting multifamily with you. But before we go, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and multifamilyinvestor.com and the Multifamily Investor Podcast? Sure. So multifamilyinvestor.com. You can go there. We have all of our show notes posted up there. We're available on all the major podcasting platforms, of course. And it is a video podcast. So we do have a YouTube channel and we're going to continue to release videos to, as companions to our podcast. And we've got some exciting episodes coming up where we're going to be talking all kinds of multifamily topics. We're going to talk about workforce housing. Uh, we're going to be talking to sponsors who are developing properties in some of those exciting up and coming and growth areas. And then we have some a backlog of episodes, which uh, have been fantastic. We've talked about tax lien investing and in multifamily. We've talked about the macroeconomic case for multifamily, covering that inflationary landscape that I was talking about earlier. And of course, Jimmy, fans of you, if they want to hear more from Jimmy, you were on a couple episodes where we talked opportunity zones and multifamily. So uh, there's a lot to cover there. And uh, it's all at uh, multifamilyinvestor.com. Fantastic. Yeah, and I was a guest on Scott's podcast once or actually maybe twice now. And I know you've got some qualified opportunity fund sponsors stepping up in the coming days and weeks that are going to fill in and be guests on your show as well, Scott. So yeah, if you like what we're doing here at Opportunity Zones Podcast, I think you're really going to like what Scott's doing at multifamilyinvestor.com. Please go check them out. And for listeners of this podcast, as always, I will have show notes on the Opportunity Zones database website. You can find those show notes at opportunitydb.com slash podcast. And there you'll find links to all of the resources that Scott and I discussed on today's show. And of course, I'll be sure to link to multifamilyinvestor.com as well as his YouTube channel. Scott, it's been a pleasure, buddy. Talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Jimmy. That's it for our show today. A huge thank you to you, our listener. If you liked this episode, please rate and review us on iTunes. The Opportunity Zones podcast is produced by the Opportunity Database. Visit OpportunityDB.com to learn more about Opportunity Zones and Opportunity Zone Fund Investing. You can learn how to subscribe to this podcast and read more about today's guest in the show notes by visiting OpportunityDB.com slash podcast. And we'll be back soon with another episode. 